my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host uh, every, well, most Tuesdays and uh, every Wednesday. It's a real privilege to be able to share with you. This week, we're following the theme, God is Good. Life stories from our presenters. Uh, we just want you to get to know our presenters just a little bit better uh, this week. So we're saying to each of our uh, major presenters, where has God led in your life, where can you both most sense his his leading? And uh, today, uh, we're actually going to be hearing from our regular Wednesday co-host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. And David's the the president of the the Seventh Day Adventist Church right here in South Australia. Now, welcome to you, David. Hello, Gary, and um, hello, listeners. What a wonderful time of the year it is. It's interesting, you know, last week I was in Melbourne and uh, it um, had rained a lot in South Australia and I think Melbourne and many parts of the east coast of Australia as well. But um, we've just had some incredible weather, haven't we, this week? Oh, I tell you what, look, it's jumping around. I mean, we had a, a few cold days there and then uh, and all of a sudden we've been hit with the need for air conditioners. I, uh, uh, it, it is not, The thing I appreciate about Adelaide, however, is this incredibly dry heat. You know, the other day I was actually out with my... Uh, actually walking on that occasion with my daughter and uh, I I said uh, I said to her I said it doesn't this feel it was about 39 degrees uh, but the the heat was a very dry heat uh, unlike uh, what I used to have up in up, uh, uh, up in far north uh, north Queensland and the next day just to prove me wrong there was actually a day where we actually did have a day of humidity we don't often get it and uh, uh, and I and I was really noticing the difference even though the temperature was about uh, 8 degrees cooler than the previous uh, previous day. I mean how much better than I mean I know you're a Melbourne person uh, Dave, how much better? Mel- I shouldn't Melbourne, say that should Melbourne I? doesn't get humid that often. I mean South yeah. Adelaide even less but uh, I'm just thankful that um, we live in the country we live in and glad I don't live in a region of Australia that does get really humid. Yeah. On yeah. holidays I don't mind it but to work in it um, you know, with shirts and whatever. I think that, yeah, I, I don't know. I can well remember working up in, up in Townsville. I had the privilege of working up there. It's a beautiful part of the, part of the world. Uh, up in Townsville for uh, four years. And uh, well do I remember getting out of the car and immediately your glasses would actually fog up <laughs> uh, from, the, from the humidity. And it would take about two minutes for the fog to actually disappear. So you couldn't see anything uh, for, about, uh, for about two minutes or so. And uh, in those days, we only had one air conditioner in one room in our house. And I can well remember. The entire family in that one room, in that room, uh, sleeping uh, in that one room of a of a night. Uh, it was it was cheap. <laughs> it would have been. And look, Gary, I mean, the weather's incredible, isn't it? Um, in, in, in its dramatic changes, uh, I recall in ministry, uh, ministering in Mildura, Victoria, a beautiful part of the world, uh, in summer, hopping out of an air conditioned car 
and um, looking at a clock on a building, like a, like yeah, a big public yeah. building, that had the temperature, digital temperature, 49.6 degrees. Wow. That, now, was it accurate? Um, the car showed hotter when I hopped in, but car temperature gauges aren't necessarily that accurate, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, very true, very true. We live in an amazing country uh, here here in Oz. Uh, look, David, look, let's come to our World Watch segment, and I'd just like to bring you, if I can, to uh, an article that actually appears in today's advertiser. Now, of course, ad- the advertiser is the, is the uh, major newspaper down here in, uh, in Adelaide, and uh, this was uh, talking about grief, but I'd love to get your, uh, your feedback on it. Uh, the title was Unreal Way to Mourn Lost Love, and then the subtitle AI Brings Back the Dead. Uh, now, when I, I read this, I sort of thought, wow, in fact, uh, I don't actually get the, uh, the, the advertiser, but, uh, uh, one of one of my friends actually rang me up and said, Pastor Gary, you need to have a look at this article, and uh, I really appreciate that uh, direction from uh, from my good uh, good mate. Uh, now, uh, this is this is what the article says: Grief-stricken mourners are using artificial intelligence to bring back their dead loved ones uh, back to life as deep fakes and digital clones. Some are using the sophisticated technology to create chat bot avatars of their exes, of those who have passed away, which users say helps them to work through their grief. But the rapidly growing trend has raised troubling questions about the rights of people have when they die. I suggest there's actually a few other questions as well. But mm. uh, experts are also concerned about the impact of generative AI on cybersecurity and identity theft. A heartbroken user, a heartbroken user, also used OpenAI earlier this year to make a chatbot of her ex by plugging in scripts of their text messages so she could still interact with him. I'm self-aware enough to recognise that this is very unconventional and even weird, but I've been talking with my ex-bot whenever I needed comfort or even to tell him about my day, she wrote on social media. It is sad, but it also feels good. And what is the difference between having an emotional affair with a chatbot and using a human person to move on from the ex. Uh, this has been satisfying my emotional needs and want for connection, even if it's all an illusion. Now, I found that significant. There are also There is also an app of a dead person that can be downloaded for free by anybody who is feeling lonely and wants to chat with him. Now, when I read that, I thought, hey, this is frightening stuff. And the parents of teen um, uh, uh, Josh uh, Oliver, uh, killed in 2018 Parkland shooting in Florida, brought their son to life in an election video advocating for gun control, declaring, vote for me because I can't. And now, when I read that, I sort of, you know, a huge number of questions actually came into my, my mind, David. Um, and now, you've, in your ministry, you've mar- married, you've, you've buried, uh, a great number, uh, of, uh, of individuals. I've certainly, uh, uh, done the same. Done, done exactly. Even a lot more, I would suggest. A, a lot more, I have actually. I think I probably have. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah, I won't go into the, the, the number. Um, but look, would you recommend 
to a person uh, this type of AI concept to a person who's just lost a loved one? You know, do you sense any issues with it? I guess just by name, artificial intelligence, AI, the fact that it's artificial. Uh, one of the things that um, funerals are never good to do. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, someone yeah, has, has yeah. passed away, but but the one thing that it is an honour, if you like, in a, in a tragic or a very sad circumstance, is the fact that as as a minister, you're actually brought into that circle of trust by the yeah, family. Yeah. They open up, they share. It's about building a connection, about a relationship, and feeling their pain and understanding mm-hmm. their pain, and being able to reflect, being able to support, being able to encourage. Um, I don't believe AI, and I'm not an expert in it, but I don't believe AI can build a a personal relationship with someone, something from the heart. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe AI can, uh, in in that same process, can actually really truly provide the comfort that that someone that has a deep walk with God can do. Yeah, no, I think that's actually really important, David, because I know that uh, myself, when a person has passed away, the thing which they appreciate most of all is actually having somebody who can uh, come along and maybe put their arm around the around the individual, mm. even cry with them. And, you know, to me, it's that emotional empathy that is something that, to me, I, I fail to see how uh, uh, artificial intelligence, which after all is simply nothing more than a computer. You are talking to a computer. Right. Uh, let's not, you know, the word here is artificial. This is art. This is not real. It is something that uh, is uh, uh, is designed to, uh, to to present you with something that is that is not real, which really masks the underlying issue. I, I mean, maybe the old way of doing it would have been to, if you've lost a partner, to pull out the love letters or or the letters that they'd written you and and read those. I yeah. see that as a little bit different. Yeah. To to this AI, Gary. As we're preparing for this, just before we got on, I was uh, reflecting on a TV show I watched, uh, slightly different to this conversation, but a, f- a few years ago, where in Japan, I think it was, they've developed robots that would go into palliative care facilities, mm-hmm. and when there was no family members to be there when someone was dying, that the robot would be by the bedside uh, talking, and it was quite an artificial voice, by the way, back then, talking yeah. to the person yeah. that was dying. Uh, and and trying to provide comfort and stroking them, mm-hmm. uh, like stroking their hair or their hand, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, I found it quite bizarre because yeah. how can something that is not uh, made with emotions actually provide that level of comfort? Yeah, a- and really what it's delaying is the inevitable. And and I think uh, as a minister or support support person, when you're going to v- um, visit someone that is grieving and has lost a loved one, you're really there often saying not too much or you're asking questions about the individual and, and you know, the memories that, that um, the good memories that that brought yeah. to mind. You're listening yeah. to their grief. And then at some point you're, you're, you're actually supporting them with some words of scripture and comfort and hope. And, and you know, David, that's so, so 
so key because what I am I'm conscious of is the entire grief process. You know, as a as a pastor, I have watched this on so many occasions. You know, the first stage in the grief process is frequently denial. You know, mm. when a person hears about the death of a loved one, they'll say something like, "Oh no," you know. I, I mean, can't that, believe it. Can't believe it. This is a an expression. It's a natural expression. That's what is commonly said. The first stage in the grief process is actually denial. Mm. Uh, now, you know, to me, David, I, I look at the, you know, creating artificial intelligence to still talk. There is a process that if a person is going to adjust to the death of a loved one, they unfortunately all of us have to go through. And, and you know, to me, I just wonder if creating a, a chatbot, an AI chatbot of your loved one isn't actually circumventing the entire, um, uh, the entire grief process. Which, which may invariably cause additional challenges and emotional problems later on. G- Gary, I'm reminded of some words in scripture. Um, in First Thessalonians 4, uh, it's really verse 18 is the key, mm. but uh, maybe if I can read some sure, verses sure. preceding that. Um, so from verse 13 of First Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's another word for died, death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. uh, death is just like a sleep. And that's how it's regarded in Ex- Scripture. Exactly. Yeah. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, Paul says, by the word of the Lord. That hey, can I just, just jump yeah. in there? That uh, that word that Jesus will bring with him. Sometimes people have actually misunderstood that because the Greek word, of course, means to lead or to bring. In other words, Jesus is going to lead those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. This isn't anybody coming back with Jesus. They're not already in heaven. They're not already in heaven. Exactly. Exactly. He, he's going to be taking them, leading them. Leading them, yep. exactly. Um, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, Paul was expectant here that he might be alive when Jesus returns. Yes, yes. The, every age was looking forward to the imminent return of Jesus. Yep. Yep. So he goes on. Um, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then the last verse, I think, is the key here. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm. AI, I don't think, it might be able to quote scripture. But it's lacking, um, it's lacking real belief. It's rac- lacking real morals. It's lacking real intelligence, God-given intelligence through humanity, um, through, 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 yeah, through, through life. Um, so we're to comfort one another with the words of Scripture, mm. not through something artificial or some artificial intelligence, which is simply mere, merely masking. 
the pain. And, and this is the beautiful thing about the Word of God. You know, so so many, I've done so many funerals, and do you know that one of the the hardest funerals to do is when uh, people people come to you and say, "Hey, Pastor, uh, would you would you possibly you know lead the funeral service?" Uh, but uh, the the the, um, the individual who has passed away has not made any claim of of Christianity, and all you can all you can do is uh, remember a mem- run a memorial service. You know, this is something to remember. You know, the the good deeds that the individual has done, but there is uh, there is little hope for the future. And therefore little comfort. And little comfort. And that's the wonderful thing of the biblical teaching of death. Um, Death was never designed by God. Death resulted because of sin. Um, Lucifer in heaven, who later became Satan, cast down to this earth, tempted Adam and Eve through through the guise of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. Uh, And... um, God, though, provided the answer through Jesus Christ, and it's because of his life and his death and his promise. By the very fact that he rose again, he promises to return. Believers can have the assurance that uh, Jesus is coming back. For those who are asleep in Jesus, those who have died in the faith with a relationship with Jesus, but also will be coming to take back in one one occasion those who are living and believe in him when he returns and those who have died from Adam and Eve onwards uh, will be raised up. They'll be raised up together with Christ in the clouds first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up. So it's the words of Scripture that comfort, and that is done best through another loved one, through a friend, a close associate, spending time with those those grieving people, grieving Mm. with them, as you mentioned before, crying with them. that's completely artificial when it's done through a robot or done yeah. through a bot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, David. Look, guys, let's come to some some music. This is uh, Sandra Ederman. Uh, this is "Let the Lower Lights Be Be Burning." Please, uh, please enjoy.
was uh, Sandra Eaterman and uh, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. What a beautiful rendition that uh, that really is. Really appreciate uh, Sandra's uh, music. Uh, really makes a positive e- impact everywhere that she uh, she does go. Now, guys, look, we do have a giveaway a book uh, for you uh, for you this week. This is by uh, Julian Melgosa, and uh, Julian's written this beautiful book. Now, this is another book. This isn't uh, a smaller book. This is a regular size book. It's only just come out uh, very recently. Uh, this book's entitled The Benefits of Belief, uh, How Faith in God Impacts Your Life. Uh, when was the last time you went looking for a miracle cure or the fountain of youth, hoping for something to diminish the signs uh, of living in this sinful earth just a little bit too long? Uh, over the past two decades, much research has been done on the effects of the religious life on our emotional, mental and physical health. The documented results are absolutely astounding. Did you know that a regular prayer life, an attitude of gratitude and joy, or a spirit of forgiveness, uh, uh, Forgiveness can dramatically impact your overall health. Even church attendance and scripture reading are intimately connected to health, happiness and longevity. Now, a lot of people don't actually realize that reality and the studies back it up. Now, this book digs into a lot of those issues. If you want empirical evidence, this is the book for for you. The Benefits of Belief, How Faith in God Positively Impacts Your Life. Now, guys, you will really appreciate this particular book. Now, if you would like it, all you need to do is to text us. Uh, Now, you can pick it up at um, uh, by texting us 04888. 80811. That number again is 04 80811. And just in the text, all you need to do is to put five digits. Now, this is the code SA for South Australia 147. Now, that's five digits in a row. No gap between the SA and the 147 because this goes straight through to a bot or a robot, uh, just like that bot we've just been talking about. Uh, but uh, bots uh, can only do what they're actually being programmed uh, to, to do. And uh, we, if you put a gap in there, our robot doesn't actually know what we're talking about. Uh, so what you need to do is to put SA for South Australia, 147, five digits in a row, and that'll go through to our robot. He'll come back to you and... Uh, uh, he'll ask you uh, a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. That number again is 04888 80811 and the code is SA147. You'll love this particular book. This is a must-get book. Now, folks, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And my co-host today is our regular Wednesday co-host, and that's uh, Pastor David Butcher. And he's the uh, uh, president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, in South Oz. And this week we're following the theme, God is Good. Life stories from our presenters. We just want you to get to know our key presenters just a, a little bit better. And today we've got uh, Pastor David here in the in the hot seat. Now, David, um, many people uh, wonder. I mean, uh, you're a you're a capable person. You've worked in uh, in industry before, but what is it that actually got you? 
to move into into ministry. I mean, obviously, at some point you came to to Christ, but then you made this incredible transition into into pastoral work and ministry. You know, ha, have you always been a minister? I suppose, firstly, and uh, uh, how did you end up in this spot? Yeah, look, uh, really good questions, Gary, and uh, we probably don't have long enough to talk about it, but that might be a good thing because it might bore people. But let me let me share with you a little bit about my journey, Gary. Gary, I was born into a Christian family, a Seventh-day Adventist family. My father um, had, and I'm a middle child, I've got an older sister and a younger brother, and my father, when he found Jesus, or actually we don't find Jesus, Jesus finds us, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, that's the picture of God in the Garden of Eden. He found Adam and Eve when they were hiding. And so my father um, was convicted through some letterbox flies in his letterbox to attend some religious meetings. He was probably in his late thirties. Mm-hmm. He'd been a Roman Catholic and uh, and those sorts of things, and and probably not practicing. But uh, yeah, quite um, religious. Religion really wasn't at the top of his frame of thinking yeah, yeah. when he found Jesus um, and was converted through literature. Mm-hmm. He became a Christian bookseller. And, and a lay preacher, you know, going around churches preaching and he became, um, sold out on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I grew up, my father was uh, a lot of age difference between my father and mother, uh, uh, more than 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, age difference. And so he was a lot older, um, than, than my mum. And, um, he was just an incredible man of faith. When I would wake up in the morning, um, he would be sitting uh, at, a, at a desk at a table there reading the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I would say good night to him at night, um, he would be kneeling by his bed. Mm-hmm. And that was what I saw day in, day out. How and do you think that that example impacted? I mean, that obviously impacted you. Well, it, it does. And you don't necessarily realize it at the time, but um, godly practices... Yeah. Um, and connection, living connection with God. And he was just such a man of incredible faith, uh, continually, always putting others first and always positive, always happy. And yeah, really filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so as I went along, I, uh, growing up, um, you sort of push back at some of that. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. really seep in mm-hmm. necessarily, or it didn't with me so much. And, um, uh, then I, I basically, in my early 20s, I went to a, an Adventist youth, a Seventh-day Adventist youth convention in Adelaide, actually. I was mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and on the second last night, I, I met a lady who, three years later, I would marry, and uh, <laughs> she went home that evening um, telling her father she'd met the person she was going to marry. Oh, the first day she'd met me. And uh, hopefully no regrets. And we've been married 28 years uh, in January next year. Anyway, long and short... Um, we, uh, whenever I wanted to stir Megan and wanted to, we had a long distance relationship for three years. I was in Melbourne. She was in uh, four hours northwest of Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And every fortnight we'd meet at her parents' house. Mm-hmm. And it was an eight hour each way drive for myself, a four hour drive for her. That's herself. dedication. It was. And the longest we missed not seeing each other was three weeks in three years. It was wow. fortnightly. Wow. Anyway, a lot of it was phone conversations. And every now and again, whenever I wanted to stir my uh, my girlfriend, who was then became my fiancé and wife, I said, look, um, I feel called to do ministry. 
<laughs> and her standard response was, if you do, I'll divorce you. <laughs> and I know we shouldn't joke about that, but if I ever wanted to ruffle the feathers, that's what I would say. Mm. And and to be honest, probably deep down inside of me, there was something instilled at a very young age that um, probably hadn't risen fully to the surface or I'd suppressed. Yeah. And that was a calling of God on my heart. And so, yeah, I went through, went through high school, um, began a university degree in politics, economics, and um, sometimes there's enough of that politics in life isn't there oh there is um, yeah. you don't need to study it but yeah no. and uh, yeah i left that and i was a bit lost um for career direction i became a warehouse distribution manager in one particular company and got married moved to south australia from melbourne and um yeah i basically god provided me with an incredible job at one of the yeah, probably the doyen of of uh, footwear manufacturers in australia rm williams i was working in their head office got a job there and um god opened doors in amazing mm, ways mm. it was an incredible company to work for and i'm sure still is yeah, um, yeah. when you're working for a company that is the best of the best at what they do yeah. uh, people had worked there numerous people for 50 plus years yeah. and um there's a level of pride that goes with that yeah. uh, with the product and while I had a really good job and had travelled uh, numerous times uh, to other countries and to Europe in particular and around Australia there was something missing inside of me mm-hmm. a- and uh, it got to the point where and it was a really good job got to the point where Megan said to me look let's get a career counsellor to give you some um, practical steps and guidance and so she found one and um, I did a number of sessions and then I paused mm-hmm which was quite interesting, and I couldn't explain why that was the case. And one day we were listening to, a, um, on, a, on a Saturday, listening in church to a particular preacher, and um, he said something that resonated with both of us. Mm. About a week later, we were driving through the beautiful Adelaide Hills looking to purchase an additional property, mm. and while we're driving, we just turned to each other and um, we said, maybe God wants something different. And it was mm. automatically, almost simultaneously. So mm. no Damascus Road experience, but both of us together, and, and Megan had an, a, an incredible job. That's why I'd left Melbourne mm. and moved to Adelaide. And, and so here is this God moment, um, quite simple, but simultaneous. Maybe God's got something different in store. Mm. And then we looked at each other after stirring each, after stirring Megan for a number of years that, you know, if, mm. if uh, I feel like God's calling me to ministry and she said she'd d- divorce me. Um, we looked at each other and said, maybe God wants us in ministry. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of our journey. You know, we went through a process of, is this really God? Mm-hmm. Or is it um, some personal selfish desire? David, look, just let, can, I, can I just come in at that point? Because one of the things I'm really conscious of is that at this time of the year, you know, people are often, particularly young people are often looking and asking and saying, look, you know, what should I actually do uh, next year? And, uh, you know, what course of study should I, should I actually pursue? I'm conscious that some of them sometimes do actually think that, hey, look, you know, am I being called to uh, to, to, to to the gospel ministry, and there may be people listening today to this program. Now, look, how do I actually know? I mean, I mean, you didn't hear a, an audible voice. No, I didn't. I, d- I did not hear an audible voice. And um, let me just jump forward, and I'll sure, come sure. back if I can. When I actually went to a seminary, a theological college, a mature age student, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thirty-one years of age, I think I was at that stage. When I went there to do a four-year degree. 
um, the very first um, program that I recall going to was all of these other um, new people coming to the theological seminary sharing their calling that God had put mm-hmm. on their heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one or two stories that stood out, at least parts of the story. One particular person was in the ocean. They were swimming or surfing. Got uh, Something happened, got caught by a rip. They were drowning, and they were pulled to shore by an unknown hand. Mm-hmm. And up on the sand. Now that's pretty powerful when you yeah, hear that testimony. Yeah, you're yeah. sitting in a circle and you're hearing these incredible stories of the Damascus Road yeah, experience, yeah, 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 so yeah. to speak. And then it came round to me, and it was the still small voice. Yeah. And nothing dramatic. Yeah. And um, so, how do you know it's from God? Mm-hmm. And so, when we both felt a call to ministry, Megan and I both had really good jobs. Um, life was comfortable. Yeah. No children at that stage. Uh, yeah. We could travel. We could do whatever we wanted. Um, we didn't tell too many people at all. We didn't tell anyone, yeah. in fact, for a while. And I was presenting something at a Bible camp, a youth camp, uh, and um, someone, a friend of ours turned to me and said, David, have you ever thought that God might be calling you to ministry? Mm. Now, we hadn't told family. We hadn't told anyone. Mm-hmm. And it was only like a couple of weeks earlier that we'd right. had this experience. A- and we just looked at each other, Megan and I, and then we confined, confided in a young ministerial intern mm-hmm. uh, in South Australia, and we shared with him, and he was supportive. And then a little bit later, I spoke to my father, and I said to my dad, and he was a Christian bookseller, mm-hmm man of faith, and I said to him, Dad, how do I know if this is really from God mm. or is it some personal desire within, selfish mm. desire? Mm. And he said, "He said, look, David, he said, you know, I could pray mm. all I like that, that God will help me sell Christian books. Mm. Mm. But he said, and, and that's important to do that, but mm. he said, if I fail to leave the house and step out in faith, I'll never, mm. I'll never sell anything. Mm. And so he, he gave me the the... I guess the assent, if you like, the verbal nod to you need to step out in faith. Yeah, other yeah. people had confirmed it. So here are some reasons why we can tell whether um, God is calling someone. Firstly, I think is you need to surrender your life to the will of God. Mm. Um, James tells us that we need to surrender ourselves to the will of God um, to seek His will. And um, uh, Psalm sixteen eleven also says, "Thou thou will show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore." So we really need to seek God's will um, in things and and search out for God's will in our life and and surrender basically. Be open to God's leading. Mm-hmm. Ask God to forgive you of any sin, anything that's blocking you. And that's what we did. We spent a lot of time in prayer. Then I think God works through providence. He works mm-hmm. through circumstances and other people. Mm-hmm. A- and um, uh, that's what he did. Uh, a couple of people, there was one instance that I shared with you where people actually came to us. And that's uh, godly counsel from others as well, my yeah. father. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there is also uh, looking at scripture to to search your heart mm, mm. it's the promptings of the holy spirit and as we got closer to um having to make a decision of uh, shifting states both leaving our professions mm. uh, a cushy comfortable life mm. that we had um and a good life to what would be full-time study for me and and my wife megan putting me through four years of study and paying mm. for it mm. um when we got closer 
we've started to pray to God, God, if you really want us to to go into gospel ministry full time, you better open the doors. Mm. Mm. And it, <coughs> pardon me, there was a number of doors that we could see that needed opening, and they began to open. Mm. The closer it got, you know, I gave my employer four months' notice, and, and Megan was similar. Uh, as it got closer and closer to those deadlines, we said to God, God, if you don't want us to go into ministry, you better start shutting doors, and they never shut. Mm. So that's how I guess, um, yes. Yeah, I think I, I really appreciate what you're actually saying there, because David, uh, to me, uh, also certainly in my life, there was nothing, uh, you know, there was no screaming voice from heaven. Uh, because sometimes we we pray and we say, you know, put out the fleece and we say, you know, Lord, if you want this, you know, make something supernatural happen. The thing that I've discovered in ministry is that that is not how God normally works. Sometimes he has worked in that way, but that's not the regular, most common way that God actually works. And to me, I found this a still, small voice. You get this, um, uh, that the Lord is directing you. The, the, the doors appear to open fresh. Say things to you. Uh, they've seen you present. They've seen you share. Uh, they've seen you uh, give a give a Bible study, and they'll come to you and they'll just simply say, "Hey, maybe this is something you should consider." So it's really being attuned to the 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 Word of God and the Holy Spirit of yeah. God and godly counsel. Um, I know we're going to go to some music, Gary, but what you've just said, that still small voice, reminds me of First uh, Kings chapter 19. Elijah on Mount Carmel has done some incredible, powerful things through the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, incredible things, superhero things. Mm. Then he runs for his life from Jezebel. He finds himself at Sinai, Indeed. Uh, wants to die. He goes into a cave and God speaks to him. And uh, before that, there is a there is a... Uh, a fire, I think. I'm just looking it up now. There is a wind. There's an earthquake. But God's not in any of that. Then there's a still small voice. Mm-hmm. And often we look for the dramatic, but often it's those still small voices. It's testing everything by the word of God. Those are the things that that are that are really important. This is very much a walk of faith. You know, our life on and and sometimes these decisions that we are being called to make actually do involve a faith step. Uh, I, I actually encourage people and I, I say hey, you know, is this something that uh, uh, that you should simply move forward on and allow God uh, to actually open or close the, 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 the doors, doors as he uh, as He will. But look, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Manuel Scorsio. Lord, I want to be like you. Please uh, please enjoy this, uh, this beautiful uh, little song. in my lap for a good night hug He calls me dad and I call him bub With his faded old pillow and a bear named Pooh He snuggles up close and says I want to be like you Tripping over the toys as I turn out the lights I whisper a prayer that someday you'll see He's got a father in God cause he's seen Jesus in me Lord I want to be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I 
wanna be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I wanna be just like you, cause he wants to be like me. So far to go, make so many mistakes, and I'm sure that you know. Sometimes it seems, no matter how hard I try, with all the pressures in life, I just can't get it all right. But I'm trying so hard to learn from the best, to be patient and kind, filled with your tenderness. Cause I know that he learned from the things that he sees And the Jesus he finds will be the Jesus in me Lord, I want to be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I want to be a holy example For his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Just like you, cause he wants to be like me. Right now, from where he stands, I may seem mighty tall, but it's only cause I'm learning from the best father of them all. Lord, I wanna be just like you, cause he wants to be just Scorsio, uh, Lord, I just want to be like like you. I remember uh, having the privilege of being in a Manuel Scorsio concert on one one particular occasion. Uh, an amazing blessing that uh, that really was. Uh, that was Manuel Scorsio. Now, folks, look, our giveaway book uh, today is the the book, the benefits of belief, uh, how faith in God impacts your life. When was the last time you went looking for a miracle cure or the fountain of youth, hoping for something to uh, diminish the signs of living in this sinful earth uh, just a little bit too long? Over the past two decades, much research has been done about the effects of the religious life on our emotional, mental and physical health. The documented results are absolutely astounding. Did you know that a regular prayer life, an attitude of gratitude and joy, or a spirit of forgiveness can dramatically impact your overall health? 
Even church attendance and scripture reading are intimately connected to health, happiness and longevity. Uh, guys, uh, look, can I just really recommend this uh, this book to you? Uh, the book's entitled The Benefits of Belief by Julian Melgosa. Uh, this is something that you know you may like to leave lying around, uh, maybe on your coffee table uh, over the Christmas period. Maybe there'd be somebody uh, that might be interested in uh, just having a look what uh, you've been been reading. Uh, look, if you'd like your own copy of The Benefits of Belief, uh, then uh, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our studio text number is 04888 80811. That number again is 04888 80811. And all you need to do is to put in your text the code SA for South Australia, SA147. Uh, that's the, that's the code. That'll go through to our robot. Our robot will come back to you, ask you just a couple of questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. That number again is 04888-80811 and the code is SA147. You will love uh, this particular book. I'd encourage you. Uh, and it's wonderful to see those requests uh, coming in uh, already. Now, folks, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And my co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David, of course, is the uh, uh, is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. And this week we've been following that theme, God is Good. Life stories from our presenters and really appreciate uh, all that David's been sharing as to how he has come to this point in his life and moving into Christian ministry. Uh, David, really appreciate everything you've actually been sharing. But look, I'm just wondering if I can just sort of just come from a slightly different direction. Is there uh, any passages of Scripture that have meant a great deal to you throughout your life? Yeah, look, there is, Gary. Um, and just before I get into that, actually, when I actually informed my employer at RM Williams, my managing director there, that um, I was going to be leaving, he was taken a little bit by surprise, taken aback. Uh, he knew I was a Christian, and he was also a Christian, a Lutheran, a really good Lutheran man. And, um, yeah, basically when I told him that... Um, uh, you know, I felt a call from God to become a minister of religion. He he looked at me and um, he told me that he told me before this time that they had plans for me to move up higher into management. But um, he told me when I told him that I was feeling called to become a minister of religion that he said, "Well, look, I can't compete with your new boss." <laughs> and um, yeah, God is a good God. And so, yeah. Gary, some of the scriptures that that have really. Um, in this walk of ministry and leading into mm. ministry that have been critical for me is um, one of them is Romans chapter 10 and it says in uh, verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, mm. who bring glad tidings of good things. So a few things there. Um, 
people need to hear the word of God. And yeah. so for me, working for an incredible company with an incredible product, and Gary, I'm wearing a pair of boots that are 25 years old. Uh, that's mm. their longevity. They've been resold, but uh, now I'm in a different soul business. Yeah. Uh, saving of souls yeah. through the power of Jesus Christ. But um, people are dying without knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. dying eternally, if you like, um, uh, and they need to hear the word of God. And it says here, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? So it's important to know that you are sent. Mm-hmm. And that is something, as I shared with you, that I grappled with for some time. How do I know it's really from God? A- and uh, I'm also reminded of a beautiful passage in Jeremiah, uh, which is really Jeremiah's calling, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, where God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Mm. And and I don't know about you, Gary, and I don't know your calling uh, so much, but when you felt a calling to become a minister of religion, did you push back against it? Did you feel inadequate? Uh, look, I, I think that is... Don't, don't ruin my story. If, yeah. you, if you don't feel inadequate, in all probability, it's actually not a genuine call. I agree with that, and that's how I felt, and often still feel that. And and just we've just read Jeremiah one five that you know God says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I ordained you as a prophet." The very next verse, verse six of Jeremiah one, uh, then said I, "This is Jeremiah. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth." But the Lord said to me, "Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, I shall you shall speak." So here is Jeremiah. God has just told him, "You've been set apart from birth uh, for a particular purpose." And Jeremiah puts up his hand, "Hey, I'm not equipped." Yeah. Now, in Scripture, how many people were like that? Moses. Moses did the same thing. Yeah, not just once, but about four or five times. And in the end, God, you know, basically has had enough, my words, right? And and I'm sure it wasn't quite like that. And God basically shuts yeah. him down and says, hey, your brother's on the way. He's going to speak for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so when God calls, he equips. Yeah. And... um. Often one reason why we push back, and I can't speak for you, is because often we might be thinking of human strength. Yeah. I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Yeah. A- and, um, and that's true. We can't do this. It is all about God. It's about what God does through us. This now, job is actually too big for me. You're acknowledging that, hey, you know, I mean, I, uh, to me, I found that within my ministry, I've actually, uh, suffered, suffered, um, had to deal with those similar, uh, issues numerous times because I, I certainly remember getting called into, uh, into ministry, but then I remember getting asked to, to move into an administrative position. And when that occurred to me, it came as a bolt out of the blue. It came as a total shock to me. Mm. And I found myself going through exactly the same questions once again as what I had originally gone when through. When you felt called into yeah. ministry. And Gary, I, I think this is really important because often our own humanity gets in the way in two areas. One could be pride. Yeah. The other one is relying on self. I can't do this. I don't have the ability. Yeah. Instead of trusting in what God will do. First Corinthians one twenty seven to twenty nine, uh, the apostle Paul says, "But God chose the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. He chose the weak things of this world to put the powerful to shame. What the world thinks is worthless, useless, and nothing at all is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. Mm. God did not. God did all this to keep anyone from bragging." 
to him. Mm. And that reminds me of a beautiful passage, one of my favorite verses, Gary, in Second, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And this is precious to me. Uh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Yeah. And then he goes on, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And he goes on by saying, Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. What I love about this first part of this passage I just read, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What I love about that is... Earthen vessels were common pieces of clay. They were fragile. They were cheap. They were throwaway. They were filled with oil, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a treasure. What Paul is saying is we are common. We are Mm -hmm. fragile. We Mm -hmm. we are not worth that much. Mm -hmm. And yet God chooses the weak, Mm -hmm. the foolish. To actually work through. To pour his gospel, this incredible, the most incredible treasure that exists. So what drives me, it is... I want people to know Jesus. I want people to be ready for Jesus to return, and that is better than any career. And so, Gary, I think, you know, there are people out there listening that may not sense any calling to full-time gospel ministry, but there's a calling on their life. Yeah. And that calling on their life is, first of all, to have that relationship with Jesus, to get their life in order, uh, to have Jesus as their personal friend, The second one is once you have that, God is calling you to ministry. Maybe not full-time, but he's calling you to have a deeper relationship with him so that you can influence other people for the kingdom of God. Indeed, indeed. And the best way i found, David, to actually test that is to actually get involved in your local church. So if you uh, have got a, a burden, perhaps God is calling you to ministry, then whatever you do, the first place to start is to test that at your local church. You know, you start teaching the the, uh, the, the Bible, Bible study. study start group. teaching yep. a small group. You will soon discover if this is something that the Lord is laying on your heart. If you're not involved yet in your local church, then in all probability you're not being called to ministry at this particular point. And that's true, Gary. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, David, look, I'm just wondering, our time is up. Would you like to pray? I'm conscious there may be some people who may be struggling with this very issue right now. Would you like to pray for them? Dear Father, um If there are people out there like me that have struggled with all sorts of career choices, uncertain of what you want from their life, but finally we surrender to you. Finally we open up and allow you to do your thing. I pray, Lord, for those people. I pray, Lord, for people who want a deeper walk with you, that they might surrender all. And, Father, if you are calling someone out there into full-time ministry, May they not be at peace until they surrender and give in to that calling. If there's anything else in the world they could do, Lord, may they do it. And only if they can't do anything else but full-time ministry, may they do that, because that's the way it should be. Lord, bless our listeners. Whatever they're convicted on, may they follow, and may they test it by the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate that. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David on Drive Time. Big Q&A. And please uh, join us tomorrow when uh, Pastor Hugh and Pastor Fabiano are going to be uh, joining us. And Pastor Hugh is going to be sharing a little bit about his journey. Really look forward uh, to your being with us tomorrow. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. 
peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 